You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. On this show, we talk to people around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. Welcome to the Toy Photographers Podcast. My name is Christina Alexanderson, and I'm once again joined by Shelley Corbett, my dear friend from the other side of the Atlantic. And we are going to talk about a book that we have read. But before we start with that, tell me, Shelley, how are you? I'm, I'm great, Christina. Thanks for having me back. I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. You are good. And photography-wise, is it a good time in your life doing toy photos? It's, it's okay. It's it's really hit and miss. What about you? How are you doing? I haven't done any toy photography since the last time I talked to you, I think. No, I haven't. I woke up this morning panicking about my my photo for the um, our next challenge. I'm like, oh, I need to get going. <laughs> Have you a clear idea what you're going to do? Not having a clue. I need, really need to. I need to. I do not want to be caught with my pants down like the last one. So I really, really need to get it going on it. How about you? How how's your mythological image coming? I haven't even thought about it. I haven't decided where I'm going, what I'm going for. We'll see. I'll probably do it the same day as we going are going to record. It's. Um, we'll see. It depends on the weather and me and the camera and wherever I decide. Maybe I'll go through the archive and pick an old image. <laughs> we'll see. That would that would be interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking doing photography. You don't always have to go out and do a new image. You can actually look through your workflow for from before and um think of uh, images you have worked on the scene before so maybe we'll oh we'll, we'll see I, I haven't really come to that part yet I have thought about this the, this podcast uh, a bit uh, in forehand and read the book and I'm yeah I've done a bit of other photography because I do that but but uh, no toy photography so I guess we should talk to why we're doing a book review, I guess, is what we're doing. Is that what we're doing? A book discussion? A book discussion, yeah. Not a book review. We're not going to tell everybody if it's a good or bad book. Maybe we'll end up in that. I don't know. But at least a book, a reflection upon what other have written about photography. Why? Why are we doing this? Well, this book came to my attention uh, from the B&H podcast, I believe is where I heard about it. And it's called Photographs Not Taken, and it's a collection of photographers, photographers' essays edited by Will Stesey. And I was just fascinated by where photographers draw the line between when they take a photograph and when they don't. So I thought, Christina... Let's talk about this. This will be interesting. Mm -hmm. Why? Why does this fascinate you? Is it because you usually draw a line or is it because you haven't thought about the line? 
I haven't thought about that line in a really top level coherent fashion. I think it's always been on the undercurrent just down below of, of on an instinctual level of when I take a photo and when I don't. And for the last year, I've actually been struggling trying to blend family and photography and when it's okay to take a photo and when it's when I choose to take photos when we're on family adventures and when I don't and why I don't do that. So this this kind of book sort of played into that and in, in my thought process behind that. So it was interesting to hear other photographers' viewpoints. Uh, is it a, is it a book that you would give to other photographers saying you should read this because it makes you reflect on your work or what your what's your first impression of the book i think it's a really excellent book for anyone who's interested in photography as an idea and the power of photography i'm not the kind of person who gives books away because that that's a should and i don't want to make anybody feel like they should do anything so that for me it's it's just part of my own journey of what that relationship is like for me between myself and the creative process and the camera. So that's why I was attracted to the book. But you jumped on right away. So Christina, why were you attracted to this book? I think there is a huge part of me not taking taking photographers or photos because I'm really reflecting on how my work makes other people feel if they I do a lot of photography with people and doing even doing toy photography I usually reflect on how this subject or this image or the choice of motive will reflect upon me uh, when the viewer looks at it what will they see and what will they think about me so I have a lot of photos that I don't take or that I don't share because I always kind of is in this area of thinking how will this talk about me, about my work, who am I, who is the person in front of the camera, who is the person behind the camera, am I the right person to actually tell this story am I allowed to tell this story should I ask for permission before I share this image or before I take this image and the book is all about those issues so so for me it's kind of in my backyard where I am all the time in my process as a photographer well that that makes sense there I'm I'm not sure people really give enough thought to should I take a photo? Do I have permission to take that photo? And even if I have permission to take a photo, should I take the photo? When I was preparing for this, I was cleaning up my office and I found this other book that I like, The Tao of Photography, and it, I opened it up to where I had left off reading and it literally was, the title of that, par- of that chapter was The Camera as a Barrier. And I th- really that really resonated and I read it and it was like it was just it was exactly this issue that we're talking about is when is it okay to take a photo when where do you draw the line between when you take a photo and 
who that subject is that you're capturing whatever if it's if it's a toy or a person or an event and and when it's when when it's time to put the camera down and be present in that moment if that's if it's a moment that you need to be present in and it was like wow okay world's telling me something <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but i think it's uh reading the book and thinking about toy photography and the motive of toys they don't you don't need to get a consent working with toys they are props so you can actually use them almost in any way you want so that made me think even more about the subject in the context of toy photography is there images that shouldn't be taken or that you don't take because of the situation because of the relationship because of the motive how do you think about that Shelley oh I absolutely think about that all of the time uh, I think there is a real power in photographs and it doesn't matter if your motive is a plastic toy or if it's a flower or if it's a landscape or if it's a, a, a person. There's a power there when you capture that moment that is going to speak to your audience in some fashion. If you're, if that's, I mean, that's our goal is to connect with our audience and you do that through emotion and so I, I'm super respectful of that. And there are definitely, I think that's probably why I, I choose for my motive to be the Lego, mostly the Lego minifigures, because there's a, there's a, there's a joy and a, and a joyfulness in that figure that I connect with and, and want to push out into the world images that play off of that. I do stay away from uh, action figures generally uh from blockbuster movies like you would never see a harlequin in one of my photos i mean there's definitely there's characters that i i mean i've walked out of blockbusters i've or i've rented them and not finished them because i just can't deal with the violence so yeah i'm i've drawn the line of violence in my photography i draw a line at sex in my photography um i and not when i say sex i mean like the actual physical act not the emotions that might lead up to that so there we all have our where we draw our lines i don't like violence i don't like blood i don't like decapitations i don't like anything that's even like in that realm no especially with toys because for me it, you cannot separate toys from childhood i don't care if it's marketed towards adults or if it's a collectible it still falls for me personally with my values in the realm of childhood. But I think there is another aspect in this book. It isn't just about the lines where you don't actually do the photos. There is also the situation where you have your camera, you have your idea or you have your photo and they decide not to take the photo. Is there a situation for you as a toy photographer where you have the scene where you have the toys, where you have set the scene, you have the ideas, and you still decide, I will not take this image. No, not that one. Not, not that scenario. Um, where I draw the line on that is when I take the photo, 
like I don't, and this is it. So we just did a podcast for traveling with toys, and I and we didn't really touch on this. We touched on barely. It's like a lot of times when you're traveling, you're traveling with other people, family, friends, whatever. And I, if I'm bringing toys along, that I I separate my photography time from my family time because. I want to be present with my family and not in my photography. So that's where I draw the line. And I'm trying to get better about not photographing at a sunset or in a moment where I, I could photograph, but I'm choosing to be in the moment rather than trying to capture the moment through a photograph. Does that make sense? Because one of the things they talked about in the Tao of photography was um, experiences as souvenirs, and I'm trying to move away from that, of using photography as souvenir gathering and just being present. So that's where I draw the line. What about you? But then there is a difference between toy photography and most of the photography that I read about in the book, at least from your point of view. Because there is, isn't any photos that you don't take, that you have the opportunity to take. No, that's not true. Because like if I'm like, I'm setting up like, okay, so back in August, Kid and I went to the ocean and it was a beautiful set, sunset and I was setting up a photo and I could have got it and I kind of tried and I'm like, you know what? I would rather just be here with my daughter in this moment. And I packed up all the toys and put them away. But you did the image sometime else or you just put it on a shelf and you will never do the image. It's just one of those imaginary images you want to do, but you won't do it. I, I Maybe I'll, I'll revisit it. I mean, in, when I was reading the book, the essays that resonated with me the most were the ones where... People literally just put down their camera and said, I just want to be here in the moment and it's okay to not take the photo. Yeah, but that's one part of photos not taking. Another part is where you have the opportunity and you decide, I won't take this image because this moment or this situation isn't for my for my camera it isn't for me to capture while that might be true I think when you're setting up a scene you're doing it with intention there's not a decisive moment that you're capturing of a of a fleeting moment that's only there for a second that it's between you whipping up your camera snapping the photo and you're getting that you know carte brision whatever his name is the decisive moment I mean, that, you don't do that when you're setting up a scene because you're choosing your toys from beginning to middle to the end and setting it up. And if, you, if you're pre-visualizing your idea, at some point along the line, you would have, I'm hoping, you, if you felt that that was an image that was going to cross your own personal values line, you would have stopped yourself before you got in front of the camera. Yeah, because one aspect while I read this book is uh, the aspect of using or exploring or taking advantage of the subject that you are following or you're photographing. 
And that is an aspect I see as the red thread through many of the essays where people or photographers stop taking images of the subject because they get too close to the subject or they want to capture the moment where they are with the subject so the camera becomes a barrier as you say. And I wonder if there is such a moment for a toy photographer as well. I think you would have a hard time creating the kind of relationships with a toy that in relation to these relation these these stories that are said in this book that are related these relationships that people are having you can't have a relationship with a toy the way you can have with a person you can't have that emotional connection I mean, toys are only a stand-in. They only represent something. They are not that thing. And when you're dealing with a person, you're dealing with their emotions and their all their messiness is coming at you. And you can use the camera as a barrier to put up between you and them and keep them at bay. Or you can put the camera down and invite that messiness into your life and accept it. Don't have that option with toys. But but I think we have, and I think we actually make choices around it. And even though you have these really separate issues, you don't do images of uh, violence, blood, um, popular um, culture, whatever. That's that one. That is one part of of uh, your choice of not revealing or telling these stories but there is another part that when you use your toys and now I'm talking from my perspective looking at your photography I think you try to uh, portray something about yourself but I think there is a part of the relationship between you and the audience or maybe you and the toy where you don't want us to uh, you don't want to bring us as a viewer into that space always so you have images at least I pretend or I think there is spaces you want reveal you want make take photos of moments that isn't filled with joy of childhood that is just hurting or just difficult to share that we could connect to but you you make a choice not to do those images because they are part of they are so personal the relationship is just yours you don't want to share it I think we actually as a toy toy photographers also have these images or photographs that we don't take that we don't share that we don't make because they are filled with all the difficulties that these photographers talk about in the relationship towards the people they portray. I think in my photography, at least in my toy photography, trying to portray myself or my own experience through toys, I make choices of doing images or photographs that... I think I can stand by as I started Uh, because I always think of will I want to share this relationship with someone else or not. That's really interesting and uh, 
viewpoint on this and one I'm certainly not going to argue with that when you're delving into childhood experiences it's so much easier to gravitate towards the positive ones than to the negative ones and then so yeah I can I can totally see very valid point yeah I'm not gonna go muck around but then it always to me it's like okay so are the toys when you choose a happy toy is that just one more barrier between you and your viewer you've got the camera that's a barrier then you've got the toys and your choice of subject is another barrier so that's like a lot of layers that yeah and I think that's part of the difficulty. a lot of armor yeah that's a difficulty with toy photography you have a lot of armors between yourself and the viewer because you have to get them to take a dive through all these layers of stuff that they really don't know anything about and and you end up with a just looking at a happy toy (laughs) and a happy toy yeah which you know that's fine yeah that's fine but then you use the toy as well as the camera as a barrier not to actually portray or take the images you want to take (sighs) (laughs) and you're sighing (laughs) no it's well it's because i've been thinking in my own personal life having to deal with a lot of trying to be vulnerable in my relationships okay because like come on we've I've been stuck with the same few people for like the last seven months and you know like everybody else we're struggling and part of that struggle is trying to find new ways to deal with each other and our emotions and leaning into them and what I'm hearing from you is that with my photography, I could probably lean into those even more. And by so doing, could potentially make more powerful images because like the people in this book, they're choosing, they're choosing not to, not to photograph some of these moments, but with photography and with toys, we kind of actually have an opportunity to capture some of those moments with our toys yeah because while this might be something you like maybe you couldn't take so there's this unwritten rule that you with photographers that you don't take photos of homeless people because it's just not fair to take a photo of someone who is on the street down on their luck you know you know there's just this kind of unwritten rule around that but that doesn't mean with a toy that you couldn't portray that same issue and present it in a powerful way without infringing on someone else's, you know, rights as a human. Yeah, you can. You can do that with toys. That's a big opportunity with toys. Yeah, we don't we don't do that. Dang you, Christina. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> and at least that's my reflection while I'm reading this book and thinking about toy photography. That that the possibilities with toys are huge. Because you don't have to ask for permission. You don't have to lean on a relationship. You don't hurt anyone. You can portray the person or the figure how bad or good you want. There, is, there isn't anything that says, I don't want to be portrayed like that. 
that isn't me because there is no subject that will object. Fascinating. All right, food for thought. <laughs> Wasn't that the purpose of this talk? <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's why we read books like this, is to have these conversations and bring up these issues that are kind of like floating out there and you know they're there and they might come up in like this book or that book, but until you actually sit down and dissect them with somebody and go, well, what, what are the possibilities? What, what are, what is coming up for you when you read this? It's like, you never know what's going to happen. Because I think there is a lot of essays in this book that I really reflect upon. And I see myself as a photographer reading about other photographers' experiences and the way they kind of learn the craft and how they interact with their subjects, how they talk to them, how they explore the subjects. And kind of someone who somewhat says that um, she has the camera as a tool to study an object and I really think of myself as that as a photographer and I have used my toys as a subject that I want to study that I want to explore and through them I have really explored and kind of worked around the subject and dwelled through it down and down and down and the possibilities with toys are huge because no one can say, I don't like that image of myself. I think it's horrible. <laughs> there is a real advantage when they can't talk back at you, isn't there? Yeah, there is. If I were to say to someone, you should read this book, then I think, or at least read one essay, I think everybody should read Timothy Archibald's essay. I think it's a lovely one. It's about him as a child or as a young young man. And he has his camera and he's talked his father into driving him into the city. And mm. when he comes to the city with his camera, he realizes that he has no film in the camera and he has no film with him. So he walks around all day with no film in the camera and he pretends that he's... He doesn't pretend that he is a photographer because he is a photographer, but he takes all these amazing images of people and they relax and they love him because he has this camera and he does this kind of study of people in the pub and they take pictures and they want to be in his frame and he's super excited and they are super excited. And he kind of finds this confident in himself working with these people just by pretending or faking it uh, and not having the the film or the limitation of the the film that w will not be developed there is no film and he just makes the most amazing images <laughs> all day i love that story and i think it's so important to reflect on the possibilities of uh, kind of just knowing or trying your craft and uh, that's uh, also part of learning and in the film era you had the limitation of 24 or 36 frames 
today you can do it how many images you want to but but you still have to have a confidence and 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 that's I think that's important just doing it for yourself not sharing everything did you read any essay that you thought you really thought brought your 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 thoughts to heart that we re- could really recognize or you wanted other people's to uh, other people to read as well i i really enjoy the essays from women who were grappling with the choice of when to be a mom and when to be a photographer i thought those were there was like two or three of them that were all really good but when you were talking about the idea of how you can use toys when in places where you can't you take a photo of a person there was a sto- there was a essay by Erica Larson where she was documenting um, about a story of a girl who had taken her own life and she was documenting the family and the father had taken her into the child's room and the photographer had asked well what is there something here that's merely meaningful to you that connects you to your daughter and he picked up this toy that his mother had made for the baby and the mother had died on the day the girl was born and the the father just sat down and just holding this little toy and was just sobbing and the she describes the room as he is white the room is white it's a wash and white and there's this solitary figure sitting on the side of the bed holding a this toy sobbing and she's crying and she's like she doesn't pick up her four by five and take the photo but I'm thinking after this conversation with you is what a perfect opportunity to take a toy and take that same photo white room father holding a toy could be any figure I mean maybe take a I don't know maybe one of the macho action figure guys maybe a stormtrooper I have no idea stormtrooper would be really cool because it'd be even more white with just one colorful child's toy in their hand and what story that would tell and how powerful that would be absolutely I read when I read that essay I my thought was the thought about whose moment is it that we capture is it the photographers, the viewers, or is it the persons? And how she kind of dwells around that, thinking about that this is his moment. He needs to be in him, in his grief. And she leaves him there, but she still takes the image because she shares it with us in words. Yeah, it was a really beautiful essay, and she ends it with, the moment was his. Yeah, but now it isn't his anymore. It is ours, because the words have brought it to us as well. Yeah. it was a, it, There were so many essays in here that were so powerful. Just just the moments that people live and the lives they, they live and the human condition. And it was, um, I loved reading it. I loved all those stories. Yeah, me too. But but I kind of uh, ended up with Alexandria Sanguetti that has this list. However, I do have a real list in my mind of the photographs I never made. And I will always wish I had. Do you have that list? Do you have such a list, Shelley? 
No, because I just don't think about photography as deeply as you do. And I regret that. (laughs) (laughs) You have to, you have to explore that. You have to give me more than that. You don't think about it the way I do. What, 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 how do you think about it then? Give me some food for thought. How can I think about it in a different way? Well, this is okay. This is why I think our conversations work is that we both love photography and we love it passionately and we both use it to, in my opinion, explore personal topics very differently, but you're very thoughtful and cerebral and intentional and you know that when you're doing what you're doing. I mean, I could take any photo of yours and go, Christina, what are you doing? What were you doing here? And you're gonna explain it to me in a level that I, I'm like, wow, really? Okay, I, I get the photos, but when I experience your photos and my photography and everyone's photography on a much more intuitive and emotional level, and that's how I approach photography is very much on an emotional level for me personally. That's, so I think that's why this works is because I'm like all about the emotion. How did it make me feel? And you're like, but how did it make you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have said to you this before because I have this dear friend that always says, I don't dare to say anything about your photography because when I do I know you have thought about it 10 or 20 times and whatever I will say will be so shallow and I won't get the points I don't say anything (laughs) you know I should get together with your friend and we should have a conversation about what it's like to be Christina's friend when you talk about her photography and you're made to feel like an idiot But that's okay. I mean, I when you but then I get your I, I I experience your photos at a different level and then when I talk to you about your photos, then I I have the joy of experiencing them on an even deeper level, which I th- thoroughly enjoy. But I, I'll admit I don't always get them the first time. I'm I'm really really seated your pants intuitive and it's and what you show me repeatedly is that I need to be more thoughtful, and I'm trying. Yeah, but you are. You are more thoughtful. You all have always been thoughtful. I don't see all the layers you bring to the table. I only see my own layers because I have them top of mind because they, I bring them with me all the time. And so you don't have this list <laughs> that I was asking <laughs> so for. <laughs> do you have a list? <laughs> I have um, no, I don't have a list, but but I, I I think I have said this before on the podcast as well. I kind of go around in my surroundings, making images all the time, kind of using my eyes as a camera and kind of clicking all the time. And sometimes I think I'll go back and I'll do the image. I'll go back and take the camera with me. And I'll make this amazing image. And most of the times I don't. I usually don't go back and do the image. Most of the time I don't go back and, and 
and find the light or find the moment even though I think I will so so I have a huge list of stuff I really want to do but I they kind of stay with my own in my own moment or in my own head because I think and I know the image I will make with my camera will never stand up to the experience or the moment where I actually did take the Im- image in my own head. You sh- I have this, we have this huge um, power plant not so far from where I live and I totally super love it. You can't, you're not allowed to take images of it. It's a, it's a non-photography restricted area. Uh, and I go there every winter and I know they will bring it down in just a couple of years it won't be back, be be left because they have taken away the the wires that go through the air and and they will probably bring this down and I love it I love it the way the light comes over the hill in the winter and it's all soft in the golden hour. I love it in the dust. I love it in the grey. I love it all. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful. And I do images of it all the time, every time I go by. And sometimes I have even brought my camera and I've done images. But they never live up to the experience I have in that moment. So that will be the images that I don't take. Because I, I don't have the ability to actually capture the feelings or the the emotion that that situation or that grayish sea or whatever brings to me because the image is so flat I can't get it to live the way it actually the moment lived. When you see with your eyes your brain is doing so much more because you're also feeling the wind on your face and you're, there's an emotion and the, you're standing and you're, you're experiencing whatever is going on around you. And when you take a photo, you lose all that other four or five, six senses that are swirling around you. And it, it's hard to capture that. That's why when a photo actually does work and you capture the emotions, and you can affect an emotion, it's, uh, it's, it is profound. But I, I can imagine you standing out there on the, in the winter watching this big hulking building and the light fading and it's golden. And, and uh, yeah, I want to see the book, Christina. yeah I have to bring out my camera (laughs) I have to bring the camera with me more than I do (laughs) to round up this conversation should uh, a toy photographer read this book I think anyone who thinks of themselves as a photographer should read this book it's short the essays are for the most part four or five paragraphs. We're not talking a a deep read here, but if you're interested in what it's like to be a photographer from multiple different viewpoints, it's really a wonderful glimpse into this mindset of being a photographer. I couldn't agree more because you, you get so many perspectives in a short, short 
volume, really, really short and sweet and easy to read. And you get all these perspectives on photography and what it actually means in so many layers. So, you, yeah, you really, yeah, as a photographer, you can reflect upon yourself as well. So if you are a photographer or you want to be a photographer, you should read it because then you get experience like a lifetime of experience, even though you don't have to live the lives of all these photographers. There is another uh, essay I really want to ask you about because you have talked about this podcast talk you did about travel photography mm-hmm. Alex Soth he Alex Soth, Soth, Soth he talks about himself he divides photography into two parts or two groups he talks about the home photographers and the travel photographers yeah I thought that was interesting yeah me too are you a home photographer or a travel photographer Shelley I am Definitely not a travel photographer. Why not? Well, uh, well, okay. Well, his def. I, I'm a toy photographer. <laughs> oh, I mean, you can slice and dice photography in so many different ways. Is like, what are you inspired by? And in his, for him, definition of home photography is taking pictures of your your family, in his case, it was a uh, a new baby and, and his wife versus a travel photographer, which is, I, I mean, that, that could be anything. I mean. No, it is, in, in, from, from my point of view, it isn't. From my point of view, it isn't that the home photographer only take images of people, or at least from my perspective, it made me think of, the home photographer is someone who takes pictures where they kind of feel home compared to the other photographer that goes around the world and explores the world through his or her photography and try to capture the differences or the new perspectives on the world by traveling or using the camera to travel. Definitely a home photographer. I'm more inspired by by home and exploring deeper layers into what's at home. When I'm traveling, I'm more like just jaw open, large eye, just in wonder at the world. But I could never step back from that wonder enough to pick up a camera and and try to capture it and and make sense of it. I talked to one of my other friends about this and she said the hard part of trying to capture a world that you don't, that you know, is actually to have the bravery to use the camera to show the world what you see. It's easier to see the world when you're new in it compared to when you actually know it. Do you think she's right or do you think it's easier to actually show the world you know I think there's something to be said about what her her viewpoint I think it is hard to find the new the fresh the unusual in what you see every day 
Um, so David Byrne, the lead singer for the Talking Heads, has this really excellent side project called uh, Reasons to Be Cheerful, which is only positive news. If anybody needs a dose of positive news, I highly recommend it. It comes out every week. And for earlier this week, because it's been a little chaotic uh, in the U.S. recently, he just did a bunch of photos that he had taken while he was out on in wandering around New York or Long Island or wherever he was. And he's kind of on the spectrum. So he, his viewpoint of the world is definitely a little skewed. And his photos, I was really, I was really looking at them going, here's somebody who just by where their brain falls in the world is has this beautiful and amazing ability to take the mundane and make it look new and fresh. I was looking at him, I was just really impressed by what he could do with his camera. Is that a home photographer or travel photographer who makes those images? I think he was definitely a home photographer who's a who has the the gift of being able to see the mundane. I mean, we're talking super mundane, like a uh, AC uh, exhaust, you know, exhaust thing in the middle of a mural, and being able to see that and see the beauty in that. I mean, his really was exceptional. Yeah, that's a real gift. Versus like someone like David Dushman, who is a he thinks he's a travel photographer, and his whole shtick is the to uh, environmental change through his photography and I think it's really easy to go to a place like Nepal or Bangladesh and photograph people and and affect change when you're the outsider looking in I think that's I think that's uh that's a skill this is not my skill so um maybe it's easier maybe it's not you don't know because you are the home photographer aren't you yeah If you want to reflect upon questions or perspective on photography like these, then you should read the book, Photographs Not Taken. And on that note, I'm going to round up this conversation. Thank you, Shelley, for joining me. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If people would like to like our if people like the conversation if they love the podcast give us a review a five star review on your podcast recorder or player whatever it's called because we need it so other people can find the podcast thank you Shelley thank you Christina that was a great conversation really appreciate that And you will find a new episode of the Toy Photographers podcast in this feed soon. I don't know what it's about, but my name is Christina Alexanderson and I say thank you and bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star review. That will help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers, on Twitter at Toy Photo Blog, and on Instagram at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. 
but if you really want to connect with us, check out our MeWe community. You can find the link to it in the show notes for this episode and on the blog. This week's show is produced by Shelley Corbett and Christina Alexanderson. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org, and our podcast editor is Josh Kittleson. I'm James Garcia. You can find me on Instagram at TheRealJames23. For everyone here at Toy Photographers, thanks for listening. See you next time.